Hey, welcome to Church Alive. Our mission is to reach, teach, and empower people to impact their generation for Christ. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the message. I want to read a passage of scripture to you and um, then pray. Welcome if you're new. Honored that you're here. I want to share a couple of things real quick before I share the scripture. How many know it's good to rehearse some of the good things God's done in your life? Well, actually says, don't forget the good things. Don't forget the good things. Sometimes we're so quick to move on, but we need to remind ourselves sometimes of the good things that God has done in our life, including dropping bats over there and so forth. Um, But you know, last year was a significant year in the life of our church in 2019. We added a third service. We saw over 1,700 people say yes to Jesus last year. Come on. Can we give that a huge hand? We went from two services to three services, needing overflow. Man, God is just expanding this house. But uh, Fernando told me just uh, we've already got uh, over 100 men signed up for our transformed groups starting tomorrow, man. Monday, Wednesday, ladies, Tuesday. Make sure you're in a group. And don't forget our men's event. Listen, I, I got to tell you this. Make sure you text and follow up with our men's event. Why? Because we need to know how much chicken to have. We, you know, if, if, if you come and you run out of chicken, guess what? It's your fault. Uh, Third Wave Cafe, actually, the cafe downstairs is literally hosting it. And uh, yeah, they're, they're, they want you to visit their restaurant. And so anyway, it's going to be a good, but um, we gave away $42,000 last year in our Giving Christmas Away initiative. We built two churches in India last year. Our kids team has really just exploded. There's so many kids overflowing and our youth team is positioned like never before to see more people come to Christ and resilient women. Man, my goodness, you guys, you ladies, I should say, did so, so well. And I really have it on my heart that some of the things I've seen in our transform groups are literally going to go, I believe, around the world and uh, help men all over the place. Because when you help the man, you help the woman. When you help the woman, you help the kids. When you help the family, you help generations. Listen, this church is here to flourish your life. Luke chapter 18. And I'm feeling better already. Luke chapter 18, verse 35, says this. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And when he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Say that with me. Have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more. That's why I believe in encouraging loud church. Right here, unless you're obnoxious. Be with it, right? Don't become the center of attention. But someone say, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? I always love that Jesus actually asked you that question. What do you want me to do for you? What do you need me to do for you? Uh, He often asks us that because sometimes we're just showing up and we're not actually engaged in our faith. But what do you need Him to do for you this year? What do you need Him to be breaking through for you this year? Bring that request to Him. And He said, Lord, I want to see. And Jesus said to Him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. 
That's why I'm a faith preacher. Every time you come to the house of God, you should get more faith. Yeah. It's not just a faith, a, a, a church of knowledge. Knowledge is good. It's not just a place where we go through certain scriptures. No, faith is the thing that moves the hand of God. Yeah. Faith is the thing that gets God's attention. Faith will change your life. Because faith is the instrument that God flows through in your life. And he said, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you immediately. Someone say immediately. Immediately. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus. How do you know if you got your sight back? Follow. Praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. Come on, let's pray together. Father, I just thank you for every man every woman within the sound of my voice, every family, every young person. God, everyone, you have a plan for them. You have a a purpose for their lives. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would breathe on these moments. I give you these moments. God, walk across every aisle. Touch every heart. Lord, open minds and eyes and ears to hear what the Spirit of God would say. Let a faith that is real and authentic begin to beat on the inside of every person here. Dad, we need you. God, we need you. So breathe on these moments, I pray. Lord, let no one leave this place the same. Let no one leave this place with their faith just as low as it was. But Lord, I pray that you would breathe upon them. And as you breathe upon them, we'll give you all the praise and the glory. Come on, one more time. Can we just take 10 seconds and just give Jesus praise? Come on for a moment. Say, have mercy on me. Slap your neighbor and tell them you're good looking and people like you. And if they've been fasting, if they've been fasting, tell them you look like you've lost weight. This is a year of breaking through. Someone say yes. Yes. Come on, this is a year of breaking through. Someone say yes. Yes. You know, there's different types of breakthrough. And I was playing with my kids the other day. And I was playing a fun game I've shared with you guys recently called Trapezius. It's kind of a random game. But I run around the house with my kids and I grab their trapezius muscle, which is this muscle right here, if you're unfamiliar, and I squeeze it. If you've never done that, you should try it to someone. And you'll quickly find out it's kind of a pressure point, so I do that to my kids. And then it's just a lot of fun, actually. But anyway, anyway, my daughter is very feisty and she was running away from me and I grab her arm and I'm trying to grab her trapezius and she literally turned around and she was like, she was trying to defend herself and she was like, like this, like a hammer. She knocked me, swear, right on the nose and I was breaking through in other areas, literally blood and my daughter was like, daddy, I'm sorry. Like you should be. But I've had a sore nose for like the last four days because of my eight year old daughter. Pray for me. (laughs) Ephesians 1 says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you and the riches of his glorious inheritance in God's people. Paul is praying for the church. It's one of the great prayers of the Bible and he prays for you and he prays for me. He prays that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, that you would see. You see, you don't see life the way it is. You see life the way life has happened to you. Haven't you found that? 
that I find that sometimes you'll meet someone and, and life has kind of beat them up a little bit. You're like, they will say things like this to you. You can never trust a man or you can never trust a woman. What they're really saying is life has burnt me. And actually the way I see life has it now affecting the way I see everything. I was going to prayer uh, we had 6am prayer meetings over the last three weeks and I was heading to one, one of these mornings and it was about 10 to 6 and, and there was ice all over my windshield and I couldn't go anywhere until I cleared the, the, the front screen of the car. And I want to tell you today that you and I so need to get in the environment of faith. You and I need to so get into the house of God. But so often there's this, there's this thin sheet of something stopping the way we see life, stopping the way we see relationships. But God wants you to see clearly this year. God wants you to have vision for your life this year. God wants you to see yourself stronger than you've ever been before, more hope-filled, more joy-filled in Jesus' name. Can I get an amen? Number first thought today is this. I believe that God wants you to have a personal godly vision for your life. It's not enough just to have a vision. It's not just enough to have some goals. It's not just, no, it needs to be personal and godly. I say this because every year, my wife and I, for the, the, the over 10 years, we've led our church at the end of normally November, December, we go away and we spend a few days praying and just spending some time together. And every single year I'm praying and asking God for the vision that he has for our church. But here's what I've actually found is that God, how many of you know that God is like a chiropractor? He adjusts you. He shifts your hips. He shifts your back. He shifts your neck. Why? Because you and I get out of alignment, don't we? Ever find you ever get out of alignment? And so I would often go, God, what's the vision for Church Alive? And, and I'd ask him to give me a word, give me a picture. What is it that we're meant to accomplish this year? And he would always bring me back. He said, son, no, no, no. It's not about getting a church vision it's about you and I in sync with one another because before you're ever a pastor you're a son it's about your relationship with me and I found that if I'll keep that relationship front and center that relationship on how I see myself you see it won't matter whether the church is always moving forward and always growing because it's it's not about my ego how many know that you can see yourself as an accountant if you're a man, we often see ourselves as an accountant, a finance person, a teacher, a nurse, a, a, whatever it might be. And that becomes our identity. I know some people that almost went to professional sports or went to professional sports. And maybe that became their sole identity. But what happens if the knee injury doesn't get fixed? What happens if you dreamed of a business to go forward, but that business never took off? What happens to someone when, when one relationship went to garbage and, and what do you do again and you end up limping through life unless you've got God's vision and God's identity clear in your spirit. Someone say, have mercy on me. Come on, say, have mercy on me. A blind man said, Jesus, have mercy. 
mercy on me. I want to see and my desire for our church is not for one grand vision of church alive, but there would be men and women in our church that they have a godly personal vision for their lives, a godly personal vision for their family, a godly personal vision for their business and whatever it is they influence, but then they're also part of a thriving, growing, healthy, strong church that's taking ground and kicking butt in Jesus' name. Come on, can I get an amen? You see, when Adam and Eve sinned, they lost personal sight of who actually they were. When Eve stood next to that tree, the devil tempts her and says, you shall be like God. But all Eve had to remember was, wait, I'm already made in the image of God. And so the devil lured her into it and she ate it. And then Adam was just standing next to him. And he's like, oh, food tastes good, doesn't it? Let's eat it. He's just a man. Like, here's chicken. Like, okay, chicken. Where the chicken come from? Don't know. It's food. It's good. Steak. Let's eat it. Apple. Let's eat it. I mean, men, we just like food. Adam's just, oh, it's food. Here's a woman next to me. She's offering it to me. She's not wearing clothes. She wasn't. Tell me you just got awkward in church. Just like... Where am I? But she lost sight of who she was. And then the blame game continued or began actually for the first time. Adam looks at the woman and says, The woman! The woman! Have you ever done that? The woman! He literally goes, The woman you gave me! Blame the woman! Blame God! The woman! You! Because personal godly vision comes from personal responsibility. Personal godly vision comes from you becoming who you're meant to become. Not blaming your past, not blaming something else, but beginning to say, God, have mercy on me so that in my heart of hearts, I can see who I'm meant to become. How many people want to become who God actually created them to become? You know, I heard, I think it was Tim Keller who said, Tim Keller said this, if, if you knew what God knew, you'd want exactly what God wants. If you knew what God knew, you would know exactly and you would desire exactly what God wants. And I just want to, again, encourage you today that God has a plan for your life and it's better than your plan. It is better than your plan. And even when you go through some hard times in your life and, and the Christian life is not some just walking through the fields It is sometimes difficult, but you know that God is for you and God is with you and God is good. And even when it doesn't make sense, it's still good. This side of the room, believe that. How about the rest of you? Praise God. Someone say, have mercy on me. Someone say, restore my sight. Personal godly vision is so vital. Men, you need to become a Luke 2.52 man. Ladies, you need to become a Luke 2.52 woman. What is that? For 17 years, all we know of Jesus, from 13 to 30, we don't know anything except he's a carpenter. And we know Luke 2.52. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and favor with man. 
And if you keep aligning yourself with that, God can then use you and, and take you wherever he needs to take you. Amen. Isaiah chapter 58 verse 11 says this, The Lord will guide you always. It is the chapter on fasting in the Bible. How many have been praying and fasting with us? How many have just been eating with us? Isaiah 58 verse 11 says, The Lord will guide you always and He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and He will strengthen your frame. You will be. Now watch this now. When you get personal godly vision and you make that a priority of your life and you keep on doing it and you keep on doing it and you keep on coming back saying, God, let me align with you again. You will be like a well-watered garden and like a spring whose waters never fail. Why? Not because of what inside of you runs out no but God is the ultimate source of living water and what is in him it never runs out I have a I have unlimited access to the life of God I just need to keep on going back to the source are you with me I want you to this year influence your family and your business I want you to this year to influence I someone say influence that doesn't mean nag I, I do find sometimes that sometimes when someone comes to church, maybe a husband or wife come to church for the first time and they've been coming about six weeks. And, and how many know when you first come to church, um, if, if it's a life-giving church, you actually find it helps you? Yeah. Anyone? Yeah. Like it, you'll be surprised. If, if you're new today or just come two weeks, I, I promise you this is going to help you. Yeah. If you were to show up six, eight times in the next six, eight weeks, you'll just say, oh, that. That actually helped me. <laughs> That's, isn't it funny? The Father's house is for you. And so sometimes you've been coming to church about six, eight weeks, and then you start nagging your family to get there. You're like, hey, you better get there. You start guilting them because it's the only way you know to bring them. And you're going to lay, I don't know, your Italian guilt or, or your, uh, your Portuguese guilt on them or your Puerto Rican guilt on them. And you just guilt them and, and you just lay a bunch of guilt on them because you're hoping that by your guilt you get them to the house of God. And all you end up doing is lay more guilt that's already on them. The Bible actually wants to lift the guilt off you. And so if you will keep, keep. Running after Jesus, allow Jesus to influence your family, not nag your family to death. In Jesus' name. Trying to help some marriages, I really am. Because sometimes I'll meet some people and they're like, hey, pastor, meet my husband. He doesn't come very often. But he's here today. I dragged him today. He's here today. How would you like that as an introduction? And he's sitting staring at me like, oh my gosh, this is the woman I married. And... If I, if I ever meet your husband, look at my husband. He's amazing. He's, he's such a great guy. There might be some other things you leave out. <laughs> but I'm, I'm telling you, live, give people a good reputation to live up to. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to drag, get Pastor, can you drag him to transform? You just lost him. Yeah. I'll do my best to lead him to transform. Yeah. But I'm uh, just trying to help. Again, we're jumping into our marriage series, but just trying to help some people. <laughs> Felt like the ET and the hovercraft. <laughs> anyway, let me get on track here. You know, I got to snowboard yesterday. A couple of you. How many ski or snowboard, anyone? Fairly expensive sport, to be honest. <laughs> That's probably the, by the rest of us, don't. 
So uh, anyway, I hadn't snowboarded in like two years because I busted a, a tendon in my calf muscle and, and just it wasn't smart to go. But anyway, I got to go uh, the last two days. And um, I learned something. I went with some guys and some of them were quite high level, like jump off. I don't do jumps. I go down the mountain. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm never going to try and grab my snowboard and go, wee, look at me, Instagram. I'm, I'm just not doing that. I'm not there because my wife knows I've been injured enough for the last 20 years. That, you know, well, she doesn't massage me anyway, but you know what I mean. <laughs> but I, but I, as I'm snowboarding, I noticed that there was a couple of guys, who, it was their first time or second time. But the best thing that they could do was go behind someone who actually knew how to snowboard. And they literally, when he turned left, zoom, they turned left. When he turned right, they turned right. When he carved, they carved. And here's what you actually learn out of life. You'll quickly learn that if you follow the model of the strong, you will get better. When you, listen, how many of you uh, grew up watching basketball and grew up watching Michael Jordan? How many of you tried to at least dunk like Mike at one stage of your life and realize you're not that athletic? <laughs> how many at least tried to shoot like him or shoot like LeBron or shoot like Kobe or something like that, right? Why did you copy him? Because he was the strongest. He was the best. He, was, he had the records, right? And here's what I found in life. That so often people are trying to move their life forward, but they learn the lessons, but they don't try and copy the greats. And when it comes to faith, when it comes to relationships, when it comes to your money, when it comes to your health, maybe we should be copying the strong. This is why I don't believe in just showing up to church. I think you actually have to get around people in a circle and just go, man, how do you pray? And how do you get something out of the Bible? And how do you move your life forward? I promise you more has happened in our church, in our transformed groups, as we've modeled to the men what it really means to move your life forward, physically, spiritually, relationally, and financially. Because I've found that so many people are stuck. They might be doing one section of their life well, but the other three are broken. But can we be humble enough? Can we be humble enough to say everything in my life isn't as good as it could be? Listen, everything in my life isn't as great as it could be. Could it be that you could even do life better? Because it's not about listening to words. It's about modeling the strong. I, 12 years ago, I went snowboarding with a, a, mate, uh, a friend of mine from church. His first day, he never listened. I literally said, we're at the top of the mountain. I was like, bro, you're going too fast. You need to learn to carve to the left, carve to the right. He was like, nah, man, I just need to fly down the mountain. I'm like, do your thing, bro. Do your thing. A year later, he still had a bad shoulder. He really did. But then I've got around other people and, and they've just hung out with people who know how to snowboard. And what happens to them? They learn. I know, it's amazing. <laughs> See, here's, here's what you're going to do. If you don't have the marriage that you want yet, if you don't have the family that you want yet, if you don't have the faith that you want yet, hang out with people who do. If you see a marriage that's, oh my goodness, that marriage, they seem to have something. It's not just because they chose the right person. That's right. Though that's a pretty big part of it. <laughs> I think I, my marriage is good because I chose my wife. <laughs> they got that a little later honey but I want to
want to say this to you. How many of you wished you had a family that was a little stronger than the family of birth that you grew up in? Yeah. Here's the problem. You've watched people do family for 20 years. Dysfunctionally, a lot of the times. And then you got your own family and thought, I'll do it perfectly. But you've never modeled. You've never snowboarded after someone who does it well. So you're going down the hill smashing your shoulder. <laughs> and like, why is my shoulder hurting me? Am I preaching to anyone today? Yes. Listen, your life, listen, value your life enough to model the strong. Yes. Every man, every woman in here, listen, model the strong. And we do it in certain areas of our life, but I want to challenge you to do it in all four areas of life. Do it spiritually, do it physically, do it relationally, and do it financially. And if you'll do that over time, amazing things will begin to happen in your life. Do you believe that? This is why my third point is this today. Grow together in transform groups and dream teams. Our our transform groups are not just knowledge-based classes. They are life application classes. They are literally, here's how to change your life. Here's the scriptures, but here's the life principles that actually make life work better. Does that make sense? I want to help you not just have some concept in your, in your mind of God. I want you to literally come to church alive. And five years later, you thank God you came to church alive because your wife thanked you and your family was better and you did money better and you did faith better why because you got around some snowboarders who actually know what they're doing my life has moved forward as a leader not because i've been like man i'm the man as a leader no because i intentionally follow better leaders than me I intentionally all the time. I'm constantly listening to podcasts, listening to things because I want a growth mindset. I'm not as good as I can be. I can be better. I can be a way better leader than I am, but I've got to keep following leaders who know how to lead. I keep following preachers who know how to preach. I keep following people who've got great marriages. I keep doing that. And I find if I just keep on staring at them, I change some stuff. How many of you want to stay stuck in 2020? No. How many want to be breaking through on a regular basis, Sunday by Sunday, day by day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? Come on. Excuses are killing us. Excuses are killing us. You're like, oh, I'm this way because you're this way because you're not following the strong. Come on. Listen, people do smart stuff with money. How many know they do certain things? Again, I'm trying to hit this thing hard because I want you to, like, how many know that broke people do certain things? People in debt do certain things, but then millionaires do different things. And then sometimes what we end up doing is, oh, they came from the upper side. No, they just did different stuff, right? Married people who who like being married, they do certain things. They date one another. They say, sorry. Come on. I was wrong. Guys are actually pretty good at that because we regularly know we are wrong. We're like, ah, oh, shoot, oh, I was wrong again. <laughs> and again. <laughs> Occasionally, go, like literally like 3% of the time, ladies, it's you. <laughs> My brother's learning from experience. It's good. 
This is Micah chapter 4 verse 7 says, I will transform the battered into a company of the elite. I feel like it was a promise God gave me last September for our church. I will transform the battered. Is there an area of brokenness that you'd like to be more whole? It says, I will transform. A lot of your life might be working and ticking and doing well. That's awesome. But I will transform the battered. I will transform broken places into the company of the elite. But let me tell you this. Transformation will not happen without formation. Transformation does not happen without formation. But the right formation happens in the right environments. Can I have my baseball bat? Which is a weird thing to say in church. I showed up to preaching this morning. I was like, I'm feeling pretty safe. <laughs> People are like, Pastor, are you expecting something to go wrong? I'm like, no, I'm not. But I'm ready if it does. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm going to get an email later. You know, Pastor, you should read Matthew chapter 5, turn the other cheek. <sighs> I'd rather read about David and Goliath. <laughs> Can I have the worship team to come back? How many of you have ever heard of a guy by the name of Derek Jeter? Yeah. One of the greatest, obviously, of all time, New York Yankees um, legend. At bats, 11,195 bats, hits 3,465, home runs 260, batting average 0.31. I want you to show on the, on the screen, guys. I want you to just get a sense for a second. That showing up on Sunday, you're not even at first base yet. You're just at home plate. Right? You're at home plate. And every once in a while, what's going to happen is you come to Sunday. I can't just leave you at Sunday. I can't just leave you as an attender. Jesus never wanted attenders. He wanted disciples. He doesn't want you just to believe in him conceptually he wants you to be formed transformationally so that you become the person you were intended to become what's going to happen on Sundays is the word of God's going to preach and and it's like the Holy Spirit's going to take that and he's going to twist that and you're going to be up to bat and sometimes you're going oh that was this one that was for me but what God wants you to do this year in 2020 is literally Connect to his word, knock it out of the park, and then start running, start moving. See, you haven't even played the game yet unless you've hit and you're moving. How many know Derek Jeter just didn't stay at home plate and be good? He's only good because he got on first a lot of times, and then he got a lot of home runs. And guess what? He didn't just do it for him. He actually had to send a lot of his teammates Sometimes we're on first, second, third. And when he would connect, when he runs in first, when he moves forward, guess what happens? The person next to him is just like, i got to run too. And your life is going to motivate people as you move forward. Your life is going to change people as you keep moving forward. I want to encourage you. Listen, don't just show up on a Sunday. Listen, you can... You can go to Thrive in our transform groups and you'll be like, Pastor, I've never done Thrive. Can I shop in a transform group? Yes. How many know it's called a double hitter? It's getting second. And like, what if I even want to just go all the way around? You can do that too. And actually, I want to, I want to say today, 
we need some we need some men and women in our church who go you know what I'm going to send them deep baby um, you, ever, you ever seen that one of those badgers just walk up and he just points oh that's where we're going and whether he got there or whether he didn't his intention was my life is going to make a difference my life is going to help other people win see if I if I receive by faith the Word of God, then I need to hit it and I need to start moving. And as I start moving, eventually, if I run around this thing enough, eventually, how many of you know, let me give my back to someone before I hit someone. If you've been in a transformed group, leading or serving, can I just have you to raise your hand? Just for a moment, just raise your hand for a moment. How many know that sometimes it's not just hitting, but it's now serving in it actually makes you grow more than any other uh, other things. There's something about not just showing up, but eventually you show up long enough and someone's like, hey man, can you help me with this? You're like, okay. And you didn't even realize that that was the pathway to growth. But I promise you it is. And if you keep on doing that long enough, guess what will happen? You'll actually start leading in this. And I see champions rising in our church and Sunday morning, actually uh, uh, Monday morning, we gathered around a couple of circles and prayed for some people and I prayed for some people and then it was my turn to kind of gather in the circle and I had Steve Rosette pray for me. And as he began to pray for me, I all of a sudden got this picture of a dam that was beginning to break. And I, I, I see in our house, I see in this church, a move of God coming. I see, I see so many people moving forward and getting unstuck and busting out as they just keep on doing this, keep on stepping up, keep bringing faith to Sunday. Come on, your, your generation needs you to step up. Your generation needs you to step up. Your family! Need you to step up. Come on, give the Lord a praise. Listen to me for one second. Our transformed men. There's all these transformed groups in our church, but I talk about the men's thing because it was. God's assignment on my life. I grew up, as many of you know, in a house with an alcoholic father who ended up becoming a um, homeless man for the last eight years of his life. Died last August, actually. And the reason that I'm passionate about helping men and women, but let me just talk to the men for a second. One of the reasons I'm so passionate about helping men win, because my father went to church for many, many years. And so I know what just showing up Sunday does versus showing up Sunday and getting around a group of men who are also moving their life forward. And I found out that the, the, most, the biggest reason why we don't put ourselves in growing environments is fear. The number one reason we refuse to go into growing environments is I promise you it's fear so let me talk to you men and women for a second 
Why would you let one little thought like, I don't know anyone there, stop you from stepping into? Because have you ever seen like one of those sick, someone who's like five, six, seven, and they're up to bat for the first time, and they're all scared, and their dad goes, when they actually connect and begin to run the dad's like Whoa! he's a baseball dad and all that kind of stuff and I just want to say this to you that's what your father wants to do to you that's what your father wants to do to you he wants you to connect but he wants you to run the race you're called to run and I promise you our, our Thrive and our, our Transform groups and our Evening College and our Dream Teams they are there to make you shape you to become the person you're meant to be Close your eyes with me. Father, I pray right now in the mighty name of Jesus that fear would be broken off your people and courage and faith would walk into them. In Jesus' name, bind the power of fear off their lives. Let their families, let the men, let the women no longer be hindered by fear. But I pray faith would be unlocked on the inside. Jesus.